This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series, the show in which I'm joined by a fantastic variety of guests to discuss the club that we love. And today I'm very happy to be joined by the host and leader of the Arsenal Vision podcast. It's Elliot. How are you doing, mate? You good? You well? I'm great. I don't know who the heck I'm supposed to be leading on that thing. It sure doesn't feel like it from my perspective, but it's good to be here, Tom. Good to see you again. Look, we, we've had some crazy captains at Arsenal, to be fair. You know, leadership mm. doesn't always have to be successful. So <laughs> I have been known to uh, throw a strop and cry in the podcasting booth uh, when things don't go my way. So maybe I'm the William Gallus of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Go sit in the other half of the podcast and just by yourself and reflect on what you've done. Um, no, I really appreciate you jumping on uh, with me. It's been a pleasure, of course, to join you over the summer. We were in Chicago together. We did a live show yeah. over there. Uh, I was in attendance for the live show at Union Chapel uh, a couple of months. Was it a couple of months? About a month ago now, I suppose. Um, yeah, uh, end, end of May. So about a month ago. The last yep. game of the season, wasn't it? Um, yep. So yeah, uh, that was... Again, a lot of fun. Yeah, really good. Just to kind of touch on that, I mean, obviously the last time we had you on, we talked a lot about the the Arsenal Foundation fundraiser and the success behind that as well. And of course, you know, the community here at TGT, uh, we massively thank you to you guys as well because we certainly contributed to that as well. We're very grateful Thanks, to you yeah. guys for that also. Um, what did what would you say you learned from that experience the most? What was the thing that, I know it's easy to say, obviously you're taken aback by the support, the amazing numbers, do you think it changed you doing that in any way or learned anything from that experience? Oh, of course. Yeah. I I, I don't want to go on too much on this just because I know people want to talk transfers, <laughs> which, which I do too. Um, what I would say is, you know, I did get the chance to go to Jordan and go to the Zattery camp, uh, which was life-changing. But also when we think of the club, we think of Mikel Arteta, or we think of KSE, or we think of the players, right? Which is all true. That's all the stuff that touches our lives as supporters. But to meet so many other people that work at Arsenal and do great work and give back to the North London community or the global community through philanthropic causes, through um, volunteer work, through the Arsenal and the community program, through what the Arsenal Foundation does. I think it's just worth remembering there are amazing people that make up the club that we will never necessarily get to interact with. And one of the fun things that I've heard is that Arsenal's become the employer of choice in the sort of football worker community in the sense that People are desperate to get out of other clubs and get a job at Arsenal. And I think that tells you a little bit. When, when an organization is doing things right, they become the place people want to be. And that's become the case, I think, not just on the pitch, but also um, at Highbury House as well. So, you know, I could go on and on about the impact of the fundraiser and what the community did in showing up to raise 432,000 uh, pounds for the Arsenal Foundation, which is extraordinary. I can go on and on, uh, but... I'll spare you that because I've done so much of it in the last few months and just say that we have a special club inside and out and especially a lot of the people that we don't get to know and don't get to see every day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I can only second that from doing, you know, from being at the club for the last year working and around the club as well. You learn very quickly kind of how passionate they are, you know, the vision for things inside the club. It's brilliant. So it was great to see that as well with the community come together to create such a fantastic amount of money raised. Um, but as Elliot said, you don't give a toss about all that, really, because you care about transfers. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, the transfer window has gripped us, uh, as you would come to expect, uh, with, you know, Googling players. We're going on to Scout. We're frantically buying Arsenal Vision Patreon accounts so we can listen to scouting reports. <laughs> Strongly um, recommend that, yes. <laughs> absolutely. Which of the three players, and I, I say three so far because, you know, Lavi is in the background a bit, but of Havertz, Rice and Timber, which are you most excited about? Because I know it might be, seem obvious what the answer might be, but it's amazing to me how many different answers I get to that question. I'm excited for that question because it gives me a chance to be the villain of the show right off the bat. The one I am yeah. most excited for is Kai Havertz. Mm. Um, and it, it look, if, if you told me Thomas party was staying, then what I would say to you is point, look at the, the, the starting 11, the sort of picture in your mind, the accepted first 11 at Arsenal this past season, which is the one position that if you change it, you think you could tease out the most improvement in this team if you could change one position with a realistic option. Like the one position is always striker if you can get like an Mbappe or something, but set that aside realistically. As great as Granite Shaka did, I think a dynamic, around-the-box, goal-scoring, assist-providing player who has the, the skill set and technical level of a Havertz, I think the left eight is the one position we had in our first 11 where I could see making a change, having the most impact to our point totals, our goals scored, the performance of players like Jesus and, and Martinelli. So I'm really excited to see that, presuming he's coming in for that role, which I am pretty confident he will be. Mm. With Rice, I think it will be a one-in, one-out potential situation where he comes and party goes. And while I think Rice could be very exciting, I think that we had, for three quarters of last season, the best central midfielder in the league in Thomas Party, And while he faded post Interlow, if Rice comes in and just maintains party's level, that would be mm. a huge accomplishment. Whereas I think Havertz can come in and improve on what we get from that position. So not a, probably not a popular take, but I think that's the one that I think if he, if he's as good as I think he could be, could make the biggest impact. Oh, without a doubt. Like, for me, like I feel like I know what Declan Rice is. I feel like from now the research and the scouting into Yuri and Timber, I know what he is. And whilst I could look at what Havertz has done at Chelsea and, you know, to a, a greater extent, look what he did at Bayer Leverkusen, especially in kind of that, you know, midfield 8-10 style role that he partnered Julian Brandt with in, in that position, also played at centre forward, sure, in the false nine role, but he excelled in that partnership with Brandt. And that's What's most intriguing, I think, about this, he's also the, the signing we know that is effectively done at this point out of the others. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's the least amount of risk associated when talking about him. But it is very interesting. The last thing on Havertz to touch on, because I, I do want to go through the, the, the three players and then look more towards what else could happen this window. What about the price tag? Because that's an interesting figure, you know, for a player with three years of what I think based upon what the expectation was, I don't think it's unfair to say underperformance in those three years at Chelsea. Yeah. Um, so some of this, whether you, when you're debating the fee, I think some of this depends on whether you think the player that people thought he was coming out of the Bundesliga is the player he still is. If you like data, the underlying metrics he produced at Chelsea were very good and consistent with what he did uh, in the Bundesliga. This past season, Chelsea were a mess. As we know, his, his finishing was bad this season. And so his numbers wind up looking worse in a team that was pretty bad all around. I've read a lot of really good articles talking about how he was used not being right. You know, sort of a false nine and a team that didn't really have the players around him to give him a platform. I, I believe in the talent. We did a scouting video. He looked really good on it. The data looks really good. I guess the thing about the fee is, yeah, you'd like to believe after a few indifferent seasons at Chelsea that you could get a discount, more of a discount. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's obviously a bit of a discount from what he cost coming out of the Bundesliga and transfer fees have only accelerated since then. So there's a discount. What I would ask though is, where are the very talented 24-year-old forwards or creative attackers that are going for less than this 
The mount fee is probably going to wind up in this range. Name other players of this caliber going for this. I mean, you look at, what is it, Jackson that Chelsea just signed? Yeah. That's your alternative. Go to the continent and get a guy who's had one good half season and, and pay $35 million for that guy versus get someone who's been in the Premier League, you've had a good close look at, who's got real pedigree. And I think when you have a player this pedigree, I don't see a lot of attackers moving for a much better value than this. So while I agree it's a lot to spend, I think that's borne out by the talent. I think it's going to work. And and I'm I'm prepared to look really silly if if he flops, but I, I think the talent will work, especially in our system. Mm. What I love about doing live shows is that sometimes you get a little bit of breaking news uh, whilst we're doing it. And we've got some breaking news uh, dropping at the moment. Uh, Mike Verweyck, who writes for The Telegraph in the Netherlands, has reported that Urien Timber has reached an agreement with Arsenal on a contract until the summer of 2028, so a five-year deal. Um, the clubs are still yet to agree in a fee. Uh, of course, Arsenal had their first offer of around £30 million rebuffed by the Dutch sides, but there is an expectation that the €60 million Euro uh, kind of valuation that Ajax had will come down considerably and we're probably looking at a compromise just above I would think 40 million pounds in total he's a player that at the start of the window I never had on my mind regarding Arsenal uh, he's a player that I know Manchester United and Eric Ten Hag certainly liked a lot last summer he's a player that I know has been on Bayern Munich's radar for quite some time they've gone for Kim Min Jae of, of Napoli of course subsequently and so they've not moved in this sense but I am what I love about this deal is that the Rice and the Havertz talk has completely overshadowed how brilliant this bit of business could be by Arsenal. But what are your thoughts on Yuri and Timber? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting one. We did a scouting video on him. Like you, I didn't know him very well. I didn't know much about him. And I'll just go to the lazy comparison. This feels like our interest in Lissandro Martinez just all over again. I mean, if you take his if you're someone who's ever been on FB ref and maybe that stuff bores you to tears, but I'll just throw this out. They have these green bars that show what percentile. Love, love, love a green it. bar. <laughs> um, if you look at his next to Lissandro Martinez from his final season at Ajax, they line up almost perfectly with a few exceptions on the defensive side, but in terms of passing and on the ball contribution, they're almost identical. He's five ten. Mm. He's got great agility, a good burst. His passing is sensational. He can receive the ball in the final third if he's joining an attack. I don't think he's a lockdown defender, but I don't think that's really what he's going to be asked to do. This, to me, strikes me as another fullback who can invert from either side or can play the widest center back in a... Yeah, there it is. The widest center back in a three. So if we play more 3-2-5, which I think we will, I think you'll see Urian Timber have a chance to play in the two. And I'll explain that in a minute. This is the tweet I was referring to. If you don't look at tackles and interceptions, and I would recommend you don't because that tends to be more stylistic than anything, uh, Shodron Mustafi, great tackles and interceptions. Not a great defender. You know who doesn't have great tackles and interceptions? Defenders like Van Dyke and Saliba. So I would throw that out. But looking at this, I mean, look at those passing stats. Mm. Can you tell much apart? Because one is Lissandro Martinez and one is Jurian Timber. So if you look at what City did and how they evolved with John Stones this season... I think there are going to be games when we will play White, Gabriel, and Saliba as a three with Timber and Rice coming in as the two and then the five in front. And those will be games maybe where Zinchenko doesn't play or Zinchenko yeah. could even play in the left eight if you wanted to do that. But I think that gives us, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you're going to get Kai Havertz in the left eight. Good luck with the counterattacks. How are you going to defend? Well, you know how you do it? Maybe in those games you don't use Zinchenko and you have something like Rice and Timber mm. playing, you know, so, so when we go, think about it this way. This is why it's hard. Off the ball, you want to be in a 4-4-2. Because in your, in your defensive block, in your low block or mid block, the 4-4-2 is the best way to defend, right? Mm -hmm. So your four is going to be, you're going to need to be stretched across the pitch in a four. And however you want to lay that out, you can. But then you want to be in a 3-2-5 when you attack. And if Timber can come in and join Rice because he has that on-the-ball capability, when we're in possession, he's good at ball recoveries, right? You really need to do that if we're going to press. He's great at ball recoveries. I think it makes a lot of sense. It gives us a lot of versatility and it gives us a phenomenal platoon of defenders who can play the positions that we need. So White can cover center back when needed and we still have the same kind of skill sets at right back. I I, I think it's, without going on, o over the top, I think it's a, a brilliant piece of business and it's it's exactly the kind of player we should be bringing in if we're going to be moving out of Tierney who maybe wasn't a fit for this way of approaching it. I think it's a, a perfect a perfect way to build more towards our style.
Mm, absolutely. I mean, giving Arteta more options, you know, that that's always what the key kind of undertone of the summer was, is making sure that Arteta has the confidence in the alternative, which he didn't necessarily feel he had really last summer, besides the Leandro Trossards um, of this world, and to a lesser extent, Jorginho as well, after he came in in January too, when he eventually got to the point where he was, you know, overtaking Partey in his selection towards the end of the campaign. The other player, of course, is Declan Rice, the player that is the most frenetic, Ooh. volatile target of the summer uh one minute you're checking patreon accounts of west ham supporters to find out what the insight is the next minute we're trying to find out if demartio's got an update from you know his mates at west ham on what man city are doing what i I don't want to ask you what do we think of rice because we know what rice is but how have you assessed arsenal's approach to the process of trying to sign him yeah, and let me just say one last thing on Timber as I and it'll, I'll shift into what I'm thinking with Rice is I think it is a good sign when the things a club are doing make sense logically, right? Like the funniest news that came out this week was United have decided to pivot from Mount to Caicedo. No, they haven't. Mm. No, no, they haven't. It's either like nakedly briefing to try to get Chelsea to blink, or there's just no there's no plan at United, right? If that's what you're pivoting from. I love that we were in for Martinez last summer. And what do we do this summer? We just go for the next guy that looks like a simulacrum of Martinez, that there's a, a clear line of sight to what we want to do. I think with, with Declan Rice, I, I think the criticism of how we've approached the Declan Rice transfer doesn't make logical sense to me for one simple reason. If you're West Ham United, you are not going to sell the jewel of your club the captain of your team, the star signing of the summer without trying to create some kind of bidding war. They have too much incentive to do that. So for the people that would say you needed to bid earlier, you needed to go bigger earlier, whenever Arsenal went bigger, West Ham were going to call up City and say, we have a good offer from Arsenal. Are you coming into this transaction? That was always going to happen. The fact is, whatever the number is that gets this deal done, we can choose to go to that number or not go to it. And if we choose to go to it, we will get Declan Rice because he wants Arsenal. So there is no good reason for Arsenal to just start the bidding at the number that gets it done. There's no good reason. Because Mm -hmm. if we had started the bidding at that number, City would come in then. West Ham would call up City and United and say, this is the number, can you go over it? They would have done that. My belief is firmly that if City want to go so big that we won't match and go so big in wages that we can't get close, they'll get the player. That's what they've done in the past. There's a reason Holland was only in for City because no one was going to give him 400 grand a week or whatever the heck they paid. Mm. I would say in general that we will, I think we will get Rice and I think we will probably get Rice at a pretty good, well, let me be clear about saying good value because <laughs> we're getting into figures now where it's not a value, it's not a deal. But I don't think we have to go to 120 paid in two installments. But ultimately there will be a number that gets the deal. And I think that Arsenal will go to the number if we're serious about wanting Rice, assuming it's in it's in the range that we're willing to spend. So the criticism of the club, I get it. We want this player. Everybody's nervous. Yeah. We're on edge. You know, that DeMarzo tweet sent everybody off, you know, on, on edge because it's like, we dithered, <laughs> yeah. we dithered. But ultimately, West Ham, we're always going to try to pull other clubs into this. And I think what mm-hmm. we're seeing now, as time has moved on, the player wants Arsenal. City aren't maybe really coming in and we're going to wind up looking like we did the right thing and getting this transfer over the line. I really believe that. Mm, absolutely. I, I, I'm very optimistic about this deal. You know, I'm very hopeful about this deal. And that has always been the cornerstone of that hope comes from Declan Rice's position on the transfer, you know. And and what do you make of kind of that side of it from the player's side? You know, because there are plenty of pundits and quote-unquote experts out there that have claimed that, the obvious move for Rice to City, you know, you're guaranteed titles, you're guaranteed trophies, you're guaranteed to go for a treble or a quadruple or in, they might even invent a new trophy for Man City to win to make it a quintuple these days. Who knows? But what I expect from Arsenal is a, a different approach because they can't do what City do. And it seems the man that is the tip of that spear in convincing players through not only his words, but the actions of the squad that he's had over the last three and a bit seasons is Mikel Arteta's guaranteed, not of trophies yet, and hopefully we get there to one day day where we can start guaranteeing trophies, but the guarantee that you will become a better player under this coach. How does that make you feel when you look at Arsenal and players like Rice now preferring 
us to a team like Man City? Yeah, I think that's a part of it. Um, I think there's another part of it too, which is we have some of the exciting young English talent in the game. You know, Rice will want to be where Saka is. And and by the way, Ben White and Aaron Ramsdale, mm. right? And Smith Rowe potentially scored for the under-21s today. Mm. Um, I, the funny thing is the one coach in world football that you might say right now, a young player might want to train under over Arteta might be Pep. Yeah. But I think you can also look at Calvin Phillips. You know, he can also look at that. He can also look at Foden in and out of the team. Grealish stop start. You know, he's now obviously doing well for them. At, at some level, it is about money. This is their career. They get paid to do it. They have short careers and they want to make generational money and be protected for literally generations. And so I think there are factors beyond money that will weigh on a player's decision. But at some level, if we're willing to offer him 250 a week and cities say, we'll give you 450 a week, we're not going to get him. You know, and I think anybody watching this right now, think about if someone offered you double to do what you do at a pretty good place with a pretty good boss and achieve a lot of accolades. It's hard to turn that down. So I think you're, I think you're right, Tom. I think the Mikel Arteta of it is a huge draw. The project he's building, the improvement of the young players that have been made under him. I think having champions league is, is crucial as well. Um, but I, I don't, I would, I think Rice has made this decision as much based on being able to come and be the guy too. Cause you can look at Calvin Phillips and say, I don't see Rod- Rodri going anywhere. Right. And mm. the people that say he's the Gundawan replacement, like that seems like a very different type of player and position for me. So long winded way of saying, I think you're right about Mikel, but I think mm. there's a whole constellation of factors here that will lead to Rice preferring to be at Arsenal. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. One more quick question on on this yeah. and before we move on, just because it's come to my mind in thinking about it. I feel as though I've seen some people make comparisons between what Man City are doing in recent years in the market, the way in which Bayern approached the Bundesliga, in which, you know, if Dortmund have a great player, they buy him. If Leverkusen have a great player, they buy him. If Frankfurt, if you know, you get the spiel. I feel as though if it was Chelsea who finished, what, 12th last season that were going for Rice or if it was maybe even Liverpool or Manchester United going for Rice, maybe City wouldn't be as keen. Do you think there's any element of City's kind of keenness of Rice, outside of obviously knowing how good of a player he is, that is founded upon the fact that they believe that we are their biggest rivals now and that if we get Rice, it takes us closer to them as a club? It's funny. Maybe, maybe. Um, Mm. But it could just be the case that Great minds think alike. Mikel and Arteta, mm. I, I mean, Mikel and Pep have similar view on football, similar view on talent. Mikel learned under Pep and they, heck, they probably had a conversation or two about Declan Rice a couple seasons ago when he was breaking mm. in. You know, I'm sure that this is a player they probably shared a, a drink and a, and a chat about at one time. Um, I think it may be the case that City look at it that way although they sold us a couple of players last summer and a couple of good ones. So they're clearly, maybe they didn't regard us as a threat because we didn't feel like a threat at the time and things have changed. Um, I also think that like, are we convinced city are in for him? Like, are we convinced they actually want him? Because if I think back to last summer and correct me if I'm wrong on the details here, but I think city put up a really good front. Like they were in for Harry Kane and yeah. united blinked and pivoted and wound up bringing back ronaldo or whatever or whoever what was this two summers ago might have might have been two summers ago whatever the case was and city were never in for kane but they got united to sort of blink and move out of the way and i wonder if city are just kind of 
distracting, slowing things down, seeing if we'll pivot, making us pay a little more, slowing yeah. down when he gets in and integrates, turning the player's head, you know, unsettling the situation. Because as of right now, all we're hearing is City are thinking about a bid. Well, it doesn't take very long to think about a bid. You could say you send a bid in two seconds. So I think there may be some wanting to kneecap Arsenal's project. I still think City are good enough that they don't have to think like that. They'll only go for players if they think those players make them better, which is the right way to think. Yeah. Um, and it may be the case that City City's interest is more illusory than we're led to believe. So lots to, lots to unfold there. But my ultimate belief, Tom, is I think City would only go for a player if they really think it's the player to make them better. I, I, mm. I don't know that I think kneecapping Arsenal would be a prime consideration. Mm. I wish we were that. I wish we did. I wish they did think about us in that way, that they would go and spend a hundred million just to annoy us. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you know what? We know. really want to keep Nicola Pepe. We're desperate to keep Nicola mm. Pepe. Are you listening, Pep? Player. We're desperate. Yeah. What a yeah. player. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, if it is Rice, and the other name, obviously, in the, in the fold is Lavi. I don't want to go into detail like we've done on the other three because it seems more up in the air regarding him. Um, but there are suggestions that both of Xhaka and Partey could move on this summer. And if it is Lavia for, you know, a hypothetical scenario, Rice and Lavia in, and, you know, you can add Havertz that as well, if you like, because it seems he could play that 8-10 hybrid where, let's be honest, Xhaka plays in the same region as that in the team. That still doesn't feel to me like we've strengthened. And I use that words as kind of what I set out at the beginning of this window and said, Arsenal need to strengthen in this window. And losing Partey and Xhaka and bringing in Lavia, Rice and throwing Havertz there as well, I don't, that doesn't convince me, Elliot, that that's enough for the window this needed to be. Am I being harsh or do Arsenal need to do more? It's three for two. It's because Havertz is the Xhaka upgrade. And in yeah. my mind, is an upgrade. Um, younger, more dynamic, We all the things we talked about. Like he's an upgrade for the role Xhaka plays. I think Rice and Party are very, very different players. One is much more on the ball dominant. The other is much more um, of a much more of a ground coverer, right? I mean, I think more of a a shield for the back four. Maybe better at, at shutting down uh, counters and and ball recovery is really good at that. The issue is Lavia. Lavia is a, a super talent. Mm. We did a scouting video on him, and my just my takeaway from it was incredibly toolsy that's kind of an americanism in sport like he's got tools you know what i mean he's he's got the physicality he's got a technical level that's high he's he's got a good engine very raw very raw still in in my view i could be way mm. off on that but i i think yeah, he's no, raw. Think right. yeah think right. and so what i worry about is was he gonna he's 19 yeah my worry with lavia would be at 19, you cannot afford to go from being a starter for Southampton to playing 350 minutes for Arsenal. Mm. And I don't know that he's ready to play 1,500 minutes for a title challenger and a, and a Champions League side. So I would almost say if you're going to buy Lavia and people are going to roll their eyes out of their head at this, I think you have to loan him out. Because you have to guarantee, at 19, he needs to play 2,000 minutes. He needs to. He he cannot wind up in a situation where yeah. he's where he's getting the final 10 minutes of Premier League blowouts. And like, I I, I got to believe that, that Lavia's future is a star future, but he needs to be playing at this age to get there. Like a Caicedo, Caicedo is a star now. Lavia might be a star in a couple of seasons. So yeah. where I would agree with you is Rice for party and Havertz for Shaka. Overall, I think that puts us in a pretty good spot, but I wouldn't want Lavia being stuck playing 300 or 400 minutes for us at 19. Can you think of a 40 million pound loanee? I can't think of a player that's been bought for 40 well, million so, plus. Sali and Saliba, <laughs> Saliba was expensive and we loaned him for yep, three seasons. Yep. He was 30 million and we loaned him for three seasons. Yep. And I, I got to admit, I lost my rag a little bit on that final loan season for Saliba. But what we wound up with was a superstar, one of the mm. great center back talents in world football as a result of it. So while I agree with you, it's not, it's not the most common thing. I mean, Odegaard had a great Real Sociedad loan. Hey, Odegaard had a great Arsenal loan, right? Mm. So um, you just, you never know. But it is it is the case for me that a a 19-year-old can't allow him, a 19-year-old with his talent level can't allow himself to be a, a periodic starter. He needs to be somewhere where he's playing all the time. And I don't think he's quite at the level to do that for us just yet. So it's it's a tricky one. 
If it is to be, um, let's assume Partey and Xhaka go. Um, Lavia comes in, you know, whatever happens with Lavia, whatever happens. Havertz, Rice, Timber, um, Tierney stays because it looks, it doesn't look like he's going at the moment. Um, so I'd make a fair assumption here. You think he'll go? I think he'll go. Yeah. Okay. So I, let's I, I would say go. I'm confident he will go. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I just feel it's gone very quiet, weirdly quiet. Maybe he's a late mover. I think Arsenal would have liked an earlier resolution to that profile personally, but so they got more time to bring in a replacement. And I know they don't necessarily desperately need to replace him because they've got. Zinchenko and Tomiyasu and Kivior that can all play there. And they've got a very young, talented guy in Lino Souza coming through as well. Um, who could also Tierney not going would be a problem. And, and not because I don't like Tierney. I love Tierney, mm. but Tomiyasu will get fit eventually. I think we forget that he was a player of our season for the first half, two seasons ago. He's a very talented player. You can't rely on him because of his fitness, I realize. But if we leave ourselves with Zinchenko, Tomiyasu, White, Saliba, uh, um, to, uh, Timber, sorry, right, <laughs> and Kivior. What are you doing with Kieran Tierney? Is a guy making mm. 120 grand a week who might get two starts? You know, and and we don't have Europa League anymore. So, like, frankly, I don't think it's fair to Tierney to not find a move for him. I don't see he had very little playing time this season, and we look like we're only adding to the platoon of players that are available to play in his role. Yeah, I, I don't think it's right to, to, so if he goes, to keep him. You wouldn't replace him either. No way. Mm -mm. No. So no, having... because because I we I don't think we want to play with an overlapping fullback. So I would say our left back options would be Zinchenko, Kivior, Timber. I think our right back options are White, Tomiyasu, Timber. I think our center back options are Saliba, um, Gabriel, White, Tomiyasu. Timber, Kivior, right? Mm -hmm. it, it looks like a really intelligent cluster of players. And if I just don't know why we'd spend the money to replace a Kieran Tierney when we don't play with a... We have shown no interest in playing with a player who does what he does. And mm -hmm. and we yeah. will be adding a defender in his role and presumably getting Tomiyasu back from injury. Interesting. Yeah, it's not necessarily an area that I'd given enough thought to think, oh, you know, Tomiyasu goes... I just immediately think, well, if Tierney goes... Or surely you bring someone in, you know, because he's the obvious backup. But we say he's the obvious backup. He's not been for Arteta. He's not been the obvious backup at all. Every time Does we thought he would start, he's not. <laughs> I mean, as someone who's seen him walk through mix zones after games, he doesn't walk with a strut or a smile. Um, <laughs> let's say that. Did, were you, um, you were there uh, on the final day, right? Like, I, yeah, yeah. I thought his his approach to the lap of appreciation and i hate to do this like armchair psychology thing and sorry tom i know i cut you off a couple times there but like he the way he approached lap appreciation seemed like i'm gonna get out there i'll whip around i'll get off like it 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 and I, you you can read so much into this stuff he could have had to use the toilet like who knows but he just mm. he just didn't he seemed like someone who was was on the way out i still yeah. think yeah he, uh, yeah, I was in the stadium for the, um, and you were too, right? You must have been there for the, you know, the last game of the season. When did, did you stay for yeah. the full kind of? Oh yeah. And when they and they all congregated in the corner of the North Bank, um, Tierney was the first to walk in with Rob Holding. Um, yeah. On that day, they both walked in first before anyone else. I didn't see him in the mix zone after that game. He didn't come through that area. Um, I saw him after the Forest game. And he was one of the first ones out. I don't think he came off the bench that day uh, either. I don't. I think he was an unused sub. So yeah. no, no, he wasn't. He did come on. He, at the was, end of that he, game. he came on. Yeah, yeah, he did. Late, but yeah. He, he was one of the first ones out, which is unusual actually, because the the late subs and the ones that don't come on do a warm down on the pitch after games, and usually they're one of the later ones out. But he was one of the first uh, in the end to come out. Um, and it's really weird at Forest because they have to walk through where Forest fans still are walking through if they've been in the club level. So he was getting stopped left and right by fans <laughs> taking like pictures yeah. and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one with Tierney. Really intriguing profile that we'll keep an eye on. I'm keen to get onto the Q&A section uh, in the chat because I want to give people in the chat box the attention they deserve. There's over 2,100 of you watching, which is amazing. Thank you so much for continued support you provide the channel. Uh, Elliot, before we move forward, tell people where they can, of course, find your stuff. Yeah, the, the most important thing is, is not my... Twitter account, which I would block and, and mute and do all that stuff too. But, but I, I would love it. If anyone wants to listen to the podcast, I would say what you're hearing, hearing from me is the worst of the podcast. Um, the, the three other contributors 
are, are really the strength of it. So if this has even been passable for you, I can tell you that you only get a higher level of content. Um, it's the Arsenal Vision Podcast, and you can find it at arsenalvisionpodcast.com. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Apple Pods, Google Pods, Stitcher, any, you know, whatever podcast consuming channel or or app or feed you, you choose to use, uh, we would be delighted to have you consume the Arsenal Vision podcast uh, at that place. Yeah. Mm, it's weird because like, I don't know if Twitter has a glitch, but every time I click block, it just like still follows you. It's strange. Yeah, I, I worked something out with Elon like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I am now served <laughs> to you even if you have blocked me. I'm I'm like the for you tab. I won't go away. I just... Yeah, he's been lying to this whole time. Every time he says you can block me on Twitter, it's actually you're following him even more than you were before. It's like a double. It's like a, a super like on Tinder is what he's managed to cultivate uh, now. Um so yeah, as as I kind of we got on to a tangent of Tierney, but as I said, if it is to be Havertz, Timber, let's say Lavia and Rice, is that enough for you for this window, or do you feel like there is something more needed? Havertz, Timber, right. Rice, and Lavia. Yeah, I'd say it's like a seven or eight out of ten, but I would like that. If it's Lavia at 21, it's a 10 out of 10. Lavia at 19, as I've said, is complicated. Like if it was, and I know this is not realistic, but if it was Havertz, Timber, Rice, and Caicedo, mm. it's an 11 out of 10. I think you go win things with that team for years and years and years to come. Um, and we've talked about this on our pod, but like if you look at Real Madrid, right, they won things for so long with Cruz Modric and um, uh, Cruz Modric and Casemiro. Right? They had that trio and they won everything. And now they're trying to do it again with like a Bellingham, Chuameni, Camavinga kind of trio. I think you really want to lock up that midfield. Like Odegaard, Havertz, Rice. And then you mm. throw that one more and it could be Lavia down the road. So I think it's close. I'll put it this way, Tom. I, if that's what we get this summer, I'll be really, really pleased with it. We will have pulled off, I think, two of the most important signings of the summer and maybe one of the brightest prospects for the future. Um, yeah, I like it a lot. Mm, yeah i think it's interesting it's mad to think you know rice could be a hundred million pound player lavia could be 40 million pounds havertz is 60 and then you add timber into that and suddenly that's 240 maybe all in you know for those four and yet quote from elliot not me seven or eight out of ten <laughs> two hundred eight out of, eight out of ten well eight out of ten i think it's not yeah. well it's not the number that matters right just Ask Chelsea, you know, of course, Chelsea yeah, managed yeah. a one yeah. out of 10 spending three times that yeah. much in a window. I, I think point. it is purely the fact that if you're losing party and, and Shaka, I think you want, mm. I think you want Havertz, Rice, and one more. Lavia being that one more is really good for the future. A Caicedo being that one more, and you're, oh, wow. you're in the city territory where mm. you might be able to dominate. So I, you know, it's, yeah, it's, um, I would say it is, Splitting hairs a little bit. It's a great window, regardless. Mm, yeah, I did. Uh, I wrote a piece that's going out tomorrow morning, which was the premise of it. It was guessing the surprise signings of the summer because Arsenal have had a habit of, you know, just popping out of nowhere. So that'll be out tomorrow morning at six a.m. Uh, I'll give you a. I'll give you a spoiler. One of them is Amadou Anana um, mm. on that list. So uh, just trying to guess surprise signings, but yeah, he's he's one of them. Um, Let's go into the chat box. Let's tackle some questions. We've got just over 20 minutes left. And uh, and I've been really dismissive of you guys so far, because obviously I want to give you some airtime. So please do start to throw those questions into the chat box. Make sure if you haven't done so already to drop a like as well. As I say, there's over 2,000 of you watching, which is great. So please do show your appreciation for the show uh, by pressing that like button. Um, procrastinating Womble. What a fantastic name. Says, what... And I'm going to slightly tweak this question. What is coming out of Hale End that you're most excited about? That's a tricky one. Um, mm. I mean, it's technically not coming out of Hale End, but I'm most excited for the Smith Row Remontada this season, right? We all want to see <laughs> technically that. Technically has so, come out of Hale End, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not coming out of Hale End. It came out of Hale End. Um, I, I think I'll use this like as like an opportunity. Process. Came out yes. of Hale End. Yeah, yeah. It's technically giving birth to, to a player's career. I, I yeah, the Nuaneri thing is interesting, right? Because mm. uh, we don't know what's going to happen. That he may be leaving Norton Cuffey, I think, is an interesting one. But really, and this is gives me a chance to answer the question in a way that I think I'm thinking about it. As you get better and better and better as a club, and start competing for bigger and bigger trophies, 
the competition gets harder and harder. And I think what we're going to have to realize is it's going to be really difficult to bring academy players through now. And you got to be careful about what you ask the club to do. Because you can't, you know, you can't out of one side of your mouth say, give us the 120, mini, 120 million pound signings, be in the Champions League, compete for the Premier League, have the best players, don't penny pinch stand, get your checkbook out, right? Sign all the big players. And at the same time, be like, bring through the academy guys. Why aren't you bringing through the academy? Right? These things are at odds, odds with one another. I mean, there are good players who struggled for minutes. Kieran Tierney, under 300 league minutes last season. He's on 120 grand a week. You know, Scotland's captain, right? I think he's their captain. Um, you know, you look at Eddie and Ketty on 100 grand a week, 300 minutes. We're not even sure we have room for Fuller and Balogun, right? The star American. Um, so <laughs> I, I would say that yeah. there is talent in Hayland right now that is exciting. But if you look at Bukayo Saka, prior to that, the best talent to come out of Hayland was Wilshire, who probably didn't really make it. Before that, it's Ashley Cole. Yeah. and maybe a Wobi. It's not common for the big clubs to have academy players that come in, and um, we're very fortunate to have any. So I'm excited about a lot of the talent there, but let's be careful about not expecting the club to bring too many through. There's just not the minutes. You know, it's going to be League Cup and maybe some FA Cup, and that's probably mm -hmm. it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, I mentioned before we were talking about left-backs, Lino Sosa's one to keep an eye on, Rob Waters uh, as well. An interesting part, Mario Koja Dubri. But as Elliot says, where are they going to, when are they going to play? <laughs> you know, yeah. that is the big question. Um, Wesley asked the difficult question of Tom and Elliot, give me your likelihood of success of getting our top targets in terms of percentage. So I guess it's percentage confidence, if you like, in in the signings yep. we might make. I suppose Havertz is a hundred. I guess 100, you know Timber, a yeah. hundred, um, ninety-five. Sure. You know, yeah. Um, I'll I'll go with the easier ones first. I'll say, let's say Lavia. I'll say fifty-fifty. I don't know if that's real interest. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Rice is eighty-five percent. I really, really believe yeah. that Rice wants Arsenal, and that ultimately. Arsenal will go to the level that West Ham can accept, and I'm not convinced City are sure they want to go big on him. They might get us to pay a little more than we wanted, uh, which is kind of their MO, but I think we'll get him. It's an interesting question following on from our kind of rating of the window chat for Matthew DeSoto says, if we have an 8 out of 10 transfer window, would you anticipate a 90-point Premier League season, or should we be hoping to consolidate another mid-80s point tally? I think we're very capable with the squad we are building to have a 90-point season. What I would say is Arsenal have achieved that once in the history of the Premier League, and I realize there was football before the Premier League, but you get my point. Um, I don't think it is ever appropriate to expect a 90-point season going into a season, right? City have made that feel not just achievable, mm. but pedestrian, because they do it every season. We've done it once in our history. I think... I think consolidating the mid 80 points isn't consolidating. That's a title. Most seasons before city did this. Mm. So we've really had our understanding of what the bar for success should be. I think we absolutely should be shooting for a over 90 point season. I think we have the talent to get there so much of football though. Can we stay injury free? Can we keep the core important? You know, what if Saliba's back doesn't heal right? What if rice breaks his leg and, you know, on the U S tour, what like the, the, so many things that just can completely change what's achievable. I, I will put it this way. I think we will have built a squad that can go assault a 90 plus point season. The talent and the, mm -hmm. and the ma manager are right to do that. Mm. Absolutely. I agree. Um, Matthew, thank you for your question. Uh, a couple of the similar uh, kind of vein of this, Dr. Ken's. By the way, I, I, I want to be clear. Yeah. I apologize and immediately regret that I referenced uh, the broken ankle thing. That was idiotic on my part. And <laughs> I should so not have done it. I'm play, the ridiculously. Yes, no. Everyone get on your knees and pray that doesn't happen now. Uh, Dr. Ken says, people are forgetting Jorginho. And Gvesh says, why does everyone seem to forget about Jorginho in our team? I have a feeling that he has a major part to play next season. Do you think we are forgetting about Jorginho? Well, I think there is some there have been some rumors about him leaving. So I'm I'm not sure there was some Italian interest and I could see him maybe wanting to go back to Italy. Like that mm. strikes me as a thing that might happen. Like if you're Arsenal and you're like, we can get a we can get a few bucks, you know, a few quid for Jorginho, who's you know, past 30 and may not have much left to give. I could see us doing it. I like Jorginho. I think what he gave us was cromulent. 
you know, the, the, during the run-in and obviously gave us one of the most fun goals that we scored all season. It technically didn't score it. Emmy Martinez did, but it was brilliant. Um, I think keeping Jorginho would be great. I think it gives us a really nice option. And I think when you look at what we're building, Jorginho and Havertz have some really good Champions League experience, mm. right? Um, we don't have a lot of players that have that experience. And I think having that in the team is important. So senior leadership too, right? If you're losing Shaka, if you're losing party, he's the last late prime 30 ish, something player post prime player that we'd have. I, I like keeping Jorginho if we do. And I think he would be a good player to have around. I'm just a little nervous and not nervous. I'm, I have a little bit of an instinct that if there is genuine interest in Italy, he might go. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. I think there was a report that came out the other day. I wish I could give the credit to whoever it was. It might've been Ryan Taylor from the express um, that suggested that, He'd snubbed that Lazio interest and that he was kind of keen on staying. So unless something that's, big that's changes, good. yeah, unless something big changes, I think that he'll he'll probably end up staying. Um, Olu, uh, who is the Premier League chat, says, uh, hey, Tom and Elliot, is the evolution of the left eight from Xhaka to Havertz similar to the evolution of the left back position from Tierney to Zinchenko? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it is similar in the sense that the skills that are needed to make the most of that position are very different. I think mm. Shaka did a much better job adapting to them than Tierney, obviously, which is borne out by the minutes. Um, there was a period, if you don't, if you remember early last season, there was a little bit of a run of games where Tierney was playing and people were saying, should Zinchenko get, get the position back mm. um, that Tierney had earned the right to stay in. But Mikel demonstrated very, very clearly that he wa he wanted to, he wanted to stick with Zinchenko. And I think that was the right move. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think it is an evolution. I, you know, if you listen to what Mikel said, who, who do you, was it? Carragher did the big long interview with. Yeah. He talked a little bit about what he said to Shaka going into that season last season and how he said, you know, I know you can play central midfield, but that's not where I need you. And if you can't play this role, if you can't get leaner, if you can't get quicker, if you can't add more to the attack, I'm going to go find a player who can. And he said, and to his credit, Shaka came in lighter. He worked hard. He gave us more in that position. It's been really important. But I think that comment suggested in the back of his mind, Arteta was always thinking about where that evolution might happen. And he gave Shaka that season. And what a beautiful way for his story to end at Arsenal versus how it might've ended but I, I think the idea of evolving that position has been in Arteta's mind. And I think in, if you listen back to that Carragher interview, maybe you see a little insinuation of, of that transformation. And, and this might be the culmination of that thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that the what Arteta is showing and has shown, I think, over the last two and a half years is his ability to evolve as a coach, evolve his team when he gets his players in. I think he can succeed in difficult moments. And I think he did that with the FA Cup success in 2020 with a team that was disjointed, fractured, not his. He took that team and he beat you know, some big teams um, on the way to that, that, that final and winning that final against Chelsea. So I think that there are some really key elements of what Arteta's coaching says about how he evolves year on year certain positions and and that's been a big asset to this team. Um Peter Renner says Tom and Elliot if we uh, would uh, you sell Eddie and Balogun uh, for around 50 million plus maybe who would you buy as an alternative uh, to Jesus uh, Wahi from France maybe uh, Elio Wahi the Montpellier forward. I, I wouldn't do that because yeah. I, I think if you're going to do that, why not just use the Keep better Balogun. forward in France named Fuller and Bal, you know, from, yeah. from the French league named Fuller and Balogun, right? Like, um, I think, I think if we sell both, we won't replace. I think Havertz will come into the platoon of attackers who could be a center forward option. I think it leaves a slight at striker. I probably don't rate Eddie highly enough. We did a data review of the season uh, with Matt Giant Gunner. Did unbelievable work with some non-public uh, advanced metrics. And when you look at Eddie, you see a player who's going to be a brilliant striker for someone, just not us. All of his shot metrics, XG metrics, you know, run into the box, receiving the box metrics are great. All of his creative metrics, his passing metrics, his sort of system metrics that show his involvement in a positional, uh, positional football type system just aren't there. And mm -hmm. so he's going to be great for someone. I just don't think he's quite right for us. Balgan, I think, is a, maybe a slightly better fit. But the noises Balogun has made, at least from what I can tell, are that he doesn't want to take the 400-minute role that Eddie's had. Now, to me, 
it's hard to find a good player who will take 400 minutes as a role. And if Eddie's willing to do it on a hundred grand a week, maybe we just keep him because he, he can contribute and he, you know, he can stay happy at the club fighting for those minutes when they're available where Balogun may not be willing. If you sell Eddie and Balogun, I think it leaves a slight. I don't know who you go out and buy and point to those minutes and say, this is your role. I think that's tricky. So I think we're more likely to not replace if we sell both and more likely to keep Eddie than Balogun based on Balogun's wishes to go play. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it's it's frustrating about the Balogun situation because you can tell there's a player there. I also think that there's obviously excitement and intrigue about what he would do if he was in an Arsenal shirt given, you know, time. You know, if he, I wonder kind of if he was given the time that Nketiah was when Jesus was out, how many goals he might have scored. And I'd be willing to put a fair amount of money in that I think he probably would have got more goals than Eddie Nketiah would have done in that time. So... Yeah. It's intriguing to know what my. You know what's interesting though? When push comes to shove, this is how you have to think about it. Players are all fun and, and interesting in theory. It's a critical game, and Jesus isn't available. I want Martinelli at nine or Havertz at nine before <laughs> I want Balogun at nine. <laughs> no, but, but my point is like, like, let's say it's the second leg against Bayern in the semifinal of the Champions League, mm. and you look at our cluster of, of forwards. Are you starting Balogun there? Or are you starting, if Jesus isn't available, or are you starting Havertz there? Are you starting Martinelli there? You know, players that have done it at the level that if, and I think if your answer is, I'm probably still not starting Balogun, what you're mm. really saying is, it's going to be hard for him to get real minutes because they're going to be sub minutes. They're going to be League Cup minutes. They're going to only be in situations where the jeopardy is low. And we've seen that, right? Like Emil Smith Rowe, the thing that worried me the back part of last season is the only time ML Smith Rowe came in at all during the run-in was when there was no jeopardy, right? Mm. When we were getting beat pretty bad, unfortunately by city. And when we were in a laugher at the very end of the season, and those were the only times he came in. So if you won't use a player when there's jeopardy, like the the credit to Reese Nelson, Reese Nelson was used when things were on the line pretty Mm. substantially. Right. Um, And to be fair, Eddie did come on. uh, Smith Rowe did come on in the Bournemouth game, but then he was subbed as a sub, which is interesting. So, yeah, just some things to think about. Absolutely. A um, couple more, uh, a few more before we wrap up. We've got just under 10 minutes left. Um, this is a really good question, actually, from Keith Bird, who says, there is always a surprise signing by the end of the mm. window. What position do you think that surprise signing might come in? Wow, that's really hard. Um, mm. Some of it depends, right? Like if Samby goes, I think there could be a surprise midfield signing. Because yeah. you can only have so many, right? If Party goes and Jorginho goes and Chaka goes and Sambi goes, we're not just going to buy Declan Rice. And if it's not Lavia, I could see there being a surprise midfield signing, maybe even a big one to add mm-hmm. to the group. Um, I guess the only other thing I could say is maybe we go for a, a striker. Mm. Like if if it was like a shock, wasn't expecting it, I could see striker. For me, striker or midfielder, yeah. I for me my other position is right back and the only reason why I say right back is because I feel like there's potential for Arteta to look at maybe like a a talented really offensive right back in the sense of there are games where we've like we've subbed off Ben White and brought in Tommy Asu and it's not changed all that much I think about the Everton game away from home in particular as one of those games and I feel as though maybe that's still a position where there is room for some very I know Timber's coming in but he has played every Eredivisie match last season at right side centre back and yes I know he can play and I think he suits the profile of a Mikel Arteta right back if you like you know has Ben White has but I do think there is scope maybe and an opening for a for an option that's different to what we have at, at right back. So maybe yeah. that's something. Yeah, maybe. it it it'd be a lot for that position. <laughs> mm. A lot yeah. of players who could play that position, that's for sure. Um let's go to some more chill questions to round off the show. Uh sure. cinema cinema pizza uh, says, uh, what's your favorite beer at the moment? What's your go to? So people are going to hate this, but I don't do well with beer, as I think you well know, Tom. Uh, yeah, I like yeah. bourbon. I like wine. I like gin. Uh, I like vodka martinis. Um, mm. I, I like basically everything except Malort. I don't drink a lot of beer. Um, it's, <laughs> Sorry, it just Jim. hasn't Sorry. suited me. I will Sorry. say, though, if I if I have to have beer, and this is so bad, I'll have a Guinness. I like Guinness. Mm. 
Like why is that bad? I, I think Guinness is fairly pretty well respected, you know. As a, well, and, and I well because it's kind of cliche. I guess I live in a place that's renowned for having some very good IPAs. Like there's um Surly is here where I live, and they have something called Furious, and it's one of those really hoppy IPAs that make you make a bitter mm. face that people seem to love these days. So good power to them. Yeah, my go-to at the moment is uh, Bira Moretti is my lager of choice, and uh beaver town uh neck oil is another one that's very very good um but what was the shot that you got me in something drop what was it oh you're gonna this is so bad so just so i can be clear to everyone when i order shots i always order ironic shots that are meant to be silly and (laughs) and so i I tried to order a jaeger bomb which is my go-to terrible shot to order they didn't have it at this place so we had a lemon drop shot yes um it's quite an easy shot to drink. We'd also been drinking for a while there. So please don't judge yeah. me on my, on my shot taste. <laughs> Shame nice, forever. Nice. For I was introduced to a lemon drop and it was, it's a, you it was a crazy. When we went to New York in April, Clive came Clive from our pod mm. and he'd never had a margarita before. What? He was like, what's this drink? This is fantastic. Although, a picture of Clive <laughs> drinking a margarita is something I feel I need. So if there is one that exists, please do send it to me. Um, absolutely. Uh, Marcus says, does Tom's love of Love Island dampen how great his shows are? Is there an answer to that? I'm not going to like, Elliot, for that one. Well, I would say this. I think it cuts both ways because on the one hand, it probably does. Yeah. On the other hand, there's a good chance you'll probably get Ben White on the show at some time to talk about it. So, you mm. know, swings and roundabouts. Uh, Cedric says, Tom, have you ever criticized the club since becoming a journalist? <laughs> I love these questions. These are my uh, Elliot, obviously you've done a lot of work with the club now. Do you feel in from any the charitable way, wing of the yeah, club? Yeah, of course, from the charitable thing. side of things and in the Arsenal Foundation. But obviously that connection to the club, you know, my connection to the club goes through a third party, you know, football.london who I write for. Uh, and a lot of people put the question to me, you know, you know, you, you kind of want to keep Arsenal happy type of thing. Do you ever feel any pressure that you can cannot criticize the club? No. They don't care. No, they couldn't care less. Um, yeah. I, I mean, can you imagine the club caring what I say? Like what? Why would they possibly care about that? They couldn't care less. But what what I would say is a lot of people have come to me and been like, oh, you you know, you seem more positive about the club now. Is that because you have a close relationship with the club? And I'm like, I seem more positive about the club now because in case you haven't noticed, the yeah. club has gotten quite good at shit. Like, like when we were eighth, I've got the podcast to prove that I was quite critical. When we were fifth, still pretty critical. When we're when we're our second best ever point total in the Premier League, second only to 115 charge city with mm. our best goals total in 10 years. Some of the best young talent in the world, one of the highest valuations for squad talent in the world. Yeah, like I'm going to be less critical because there's less to criticize, right? Like, you know, I paint what I see. So if we finish 12th this season, no one's going to be asking me about that. And what's so ironic is how your reputation can change because when we were eighth, I'd get stuck into dumb shit we were doing. I hated the Cedric move. I hated the Pablo Marie move. And you get the people like, you're just so negative, mate. Like, what's wrong with Cedric? What's wrong with Pablo Marie? Why can't you like just... And then we get good. And I take a positive view of what we're doing because we've built up some trust and benefit of the doubt. And people are like, oh, you're, you know, you're just too positive. So I think ultimately all I can say is I'm always going to tell you what I think based on the, the circumstances. And no, I can't imagine the club would ever give a flying you know what about what i yes. have to say apart from uh, helping raise money for their charitable causes which is yeah. something i think we can all get behind so absolutely elliot thank you so much for your time this afternoon slash this yeah. evening uh i really genuinely appreciate it i know you've already done it but tell people where they can find you of course yeah just check out the arsenal vision podcast it's our arsenalvisionpodcast.com it's available on uh youtube the last video upload we did the video messed up and halfway through it i'm stuck like that for 30 minutes. So you you could go have fun at my expense for that. But mostly I just want to say, um, I love having these chats. I love having the opportunity to have these chats. It's time like coming on your show is, is great. You have an amazing channel, a wonderful show. You're extremely knowledgeable. I just couldn't be more thankful for your friendship and for the chance to come on. And I hope uh, to see you again soon and to, to, to do the show again soon. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. We had a great time in Chicago. Had a great time yeah, uh, watching you at Union Chapel and the guys. You know, that was uh, a great moment seeing Ian Wright walk out as well. At the start of that was brilliant. That was nuts. Um, when Ian Wright walked out on the stage, I can honestly yeah. say, standing on that stage next to Ian Wright, first of all, his memory I'll have forever, but the wall of sound 
that came from the from the audience when Ian Wright walked out is like nothing I've ever heard. It was, it was and I was sitting next to Mike, who was about thirty percent of that sound as well. So, <laughs> I know. can see that as well. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it was uh, no, it was brilliant. It was a great day, and yeah, a, a great week uh, in America. And I look forward to, you know, Mike was always was always trying to get me back over to the states and stuff. And it's something you know what I, I want to do on a yearly basis. So I'm hoping it's something that we can do. And uh, I'll be yeah, wherever it is. Indeed, I look forward to seeing you when you are over next and. Uh, hopefully there will be a Jager bomb that we can do properly this time. Um, I'll ensure it. Yeah. Chad Boggs, thank you so much for your time. Please do send Elliot plenty of love. You can find him and block him on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Make sure that you do that, although you may find, as I say, it's unsuccessful because there is a glitch in the matrix <laughs> regarding that. Um, but we will see you again tomorrow morning, of course, as always, at 8 a.m., bringing you all the latest Arsenal news in the last 24 hours. It seems Yuri and Timber will be a key focus of that based upon the breaking news that we've seen drop through today's show regarding his agreement with the club so i look forward to talking to that about that with you and uh, i'm hoping to bring you uh, a romeo lavia tactical breakdown very soon as well so make sure you keep your eyes out for that have a fantastic evening enjoy the rest of your weekend and of course watch love island i'll see you soon have a great day and as always up the arsenal It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates are out and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.